What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined as always by Mr. Sean Siegel. Uh, Sean, I'm sure the mood is good. We're going to be talking today on the show a little bit later in the show about kind of uh, dynasty roster construction, some some kind of uh, ideas to to get people in the mindset for the off season, getting ready to get those teams into tip top shape for 2020. But uh, we're going to hold it off. I'm not going to ask you yet about the Super Bowl. We're going to do that in just a moment. But uh, I guess it's probably hard to ask you this question without that being mentioned. Uh, how, how are you doing this week? Excellent. As you mentioned, <laughs> we have a we have a Super Bowl we can talk about. Uh, we have you know two great teams that were in that game. And, uh, you know, in some ways, some of the specifics about the Super Bowl may be a little bit disappointing, but I think that the NFL, the viewership was up, uh, certainly some fresh, dynamic faces. This was a great year for the NFL, and I think that uh, fantasy football fans have to be excited about the year that was, and, and now moving into the dynasty season, you know, very energized for the year that's about to happen. Yeah, it's going to be going to be very fun. We're going to go through the Super Bowl in just a few moments, as I mentioned. You mentioned kind of the fresh faces. This season almost felt like a, a kind of a reboot where there was so much young, talented playmakers who came into the league and have made that step forward, maybe in their second year, or rookies who have made that step very quickly. And then we have an influx of new rookie talent coming in in the draft. So it really makes things enticing for uh, the next you know number of years for fantasy football, as well as you know some of those older quarterbacks and how that landscape, as I talked last week with Neil Dutton, will change. And just makes for a very, very interesting time in both the NFL and, of course, then in fantasy football. And to gain the best information, and insight into all of that you should really have a road of his nfl pass you can get one right now with a 10 percent discount as a loyal listener available through the nfl podcast homepage that is rotavis.com forward slash podcast get ready for the 2020 season don't leave anything to chance get on board with the nfl content and tools that we have we'll be talking about some of them on today's show once again gain that amazing value and of course support the podcast network that is rotavis.com forward slash podcast so, Sean, without any further holding back, we made it a couple of moments without mentioning it, but the Super Bowl was this past Sunday. Um, it finished 31-20 to the Kansas City Chiefs. It didn't look like it was going to finish as well. 11-point uh, victory for the Chiefs wasn't something that people were predicting halfway through that fourth quarter. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes, as he has done on many occasions this season in one quarter, uh, put up an abundance of points with the, the three touchdowns overall for the Chiefs. Um, and that obviously was all she wrote in terms of the outcome. Um, I, I thought, you know, in terms of the overall game, I thought it was a really interesting game, both from play calling and from, uh, you know, the players who you needed to make those plays, making those plays in the end in terms of Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill on the big connection on third down uh, and things like that. There's just so many uh, intriguing parts in this. And after last year's Super Bowl being kind of, uh, you know, a little bit of a snooze fest, uh, this year I thought delivered on so many different levels. Um 
Outside of that, of course, uh, rooting on for Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City made this one uh, a, a lot more enjoyable as well. But what was your overall emotions uh, watching the game? And then, of course, I suppose, you know, when you get to the start of that fourth quarter versus the end of the fourth quarter? It was absolutely crazy. When Mahomes threw the interception, threw that ball behind Tyreek Hill, and he sort of batted it up in the air instead of making the grab, uh, my, my first comment was, well, now it's going to be very difficult. And it turned out uh, that was the case, but but they were able to to come through and, and make the plays they needed at that point. One of the things I think that was so exciting about this game, and I had mentioned it to a number of friends and family members throughout the week, is that I really felt like this Super Bowl featured super teams in a way that perhaps many of the games in the last decade had not. And certainly some Patriot fans will object to that. The Patriots have been extremely good and it doesn't take anything away. Certainly they're streak their sort of breadth of dominance is much more impressive than anything that can be accomplished in any one game but in terms of the specific teams in this game this Chiefs team much more dynamic offensively a very underrated defense and then when you're looking at the 49ers I really felt like this was the best team to make it from the NFC in quite some time you look through midway through that fourth quarter and I think what most of us were thinking was that Basically, congratulations to the 49ers. They are the best team in the NFL, the most balanced team. They have this elite offense. Obviously, Garoppolo played very well until down the stretch in the fourth quarter. They've got this ridiculous running game that's really unparalleled. I haven't seen anything like it really since the Priest Holmes Chiefs. And then a defense that could slow down Mahomes, right? Because this was the first time really in his entire NFL career that we saw Mahomes who was anything other than a superhero. And maybe that's the scariest thing for other teams when you look forward is that the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl in which, number one, they were playing a great team, and number two, Mahomes played poorly because he was missing receivers left and right until those heroic, uh, mythical drives at the very end where he hits Hill, he hits Watkins on those deep passes. If the Chiefs can win a Super Bowl in which they get – you know, one of the worst performances of his career from their quarterback. A lot of that obviously due to the 49ers. Some of it clearly due just to making mistakes. He missed guys he doesn't normally miss. If they can win here and their defense is just getting better, then, you know, how are you going to beat this team in the future? And, and really the number one way that you would do it is simply through the fact that in any individual NFL game, you know, so much can happen. And unfortunately for the 49ers, that's what we saw in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Yeah, and you know, if you look at it from a 49ers perspective, things couldn't have really went much better through those first kind of three and a half quarters in terms of limiting um, Mahomes to big plays and the Chiefs to big plays in general. There really was none up until, uh, you know, that that late kind of finish and that flurry to the game. They were able to pretty much do everything they needed to do in terms of keeping it under wraps. And what we have seen in the playoffs, for example, is, uh, you know, I think it was they've, they came from behind in every single one of the, the three playoff games, and then they won those playoff games by more than 10 points. And that just, it's the explosive nature of this offense in terms of you can have a phenomenal game plan and keep things under wraps uh, for a long stretch of time like these teams have seen in the playoffs. But it only takes very, very short space of time for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense to put up those points. And that's something that, other teams in the NFL are explosive and other teams can put up points in quick ways, but I don't think I've ever seen a team who can just do it as quick as the Chiefs. And like, you know, if you look at the game overall, 
I would say Garoppolo probably for those first three quarters I played. Uh, I played Mahomes, even though he had the the bad interceptions. But you know, Mahomes just it wasn't going his way until that lift stretch, and it's just in terms of what he's able to do in those moments. You know, we always looked at Tom Brady and said he can make those big plays when it matters. But I don't think I've ever seen anyone who can make like third and fifteen plays the way that Patrick Mahomes does them. Uh, just time and time again, uh, seems to be able to come up with those plays, and the pressure doesn't really seem to bother him at any moment. He just seems to be so calm and. To think of somebody so young in their career, he is on a trajectory at the moment to be, uh, you know, on the path to being the the best quarterback of all time if he can maintain any sort of future form. But what what did you make? Uh, I guess we'll look at the MVP going to Mahomes. Did you think uh, any other of the Chiefs were more deserving come the end of it? I know over the whole season, Mahomes is the MVP of this team. But in terms of Super Bowl performance, did you think it could have went in another direction? Well, it's never going to go this way, but Chris Jones was such a difference maker for the defense. You saw the big difference in the way they played the Titans and the 49ers compared to when he missed the game against the Texans, one of the best defensive players in the entire NFL. And I think that, you know, again, teams have reason to be worried about that defense in the future, not just the offense there. Certainly Damian Williams made a couple of big plays too. The the crucial play in the game, really the officials Uh, ruling that he got in on the touchdown it was not going to be able to overturn either way with how close it was so the original ruling was going to be very important there you certainly like to think based on what they did on previous plays uh, early in the game I think this game even though the Chiefs struggled then for the next two and a half quarters the fact that Andy Reid went for it early on he showed more courage than he has at many times in his career really seemed like a coach ready to take the next step win the Super Bowl one of the best uh play caller certainly in NFL history one of the best team managers uh, it's, it's an, <laughs> certainly an underrated ability to keep your team together to have them ready you have some of these coaches who don't call plays and yet are very dynamic in the head coaching role that I think is something that we tend to not give enough credit to Andy Reid fantastic at both of those and now to have him along with Patrick Mahomes the Chiefs are really in, in perfect position for a long time and there's never a situation where a team that has as good a season as the 49ers should ever feel bad. I mean, this was a fantastic season for them. I think the thing that probably hurts even a little bit more is that while the Chiefs have had more recent heartbreak, neither one of these teams having won a Super Bowl recently, but certainly those of us who grew up uh, with, with the Joe Montana, Steve Young days certainly still see the 49ers as this team that has been a somewhat recent dynasty right but yeah most of us were not alive when the Chiefs were last in the Super Bowl but you look to the future and you look at what these two teams face and the 49ers are in a much more difficult division right where you had the previous Super Bowl uh, entrant from the NFC there with the Los Angeles Rams you have a Super Bowl champion in the Seattle Seahawks who still have their franchise quarterback you have what appeared to be a swiftly rising Arizona Cardinals team with perhaps a new star quarterback uh, going forward there you contrast that to where the Chiefs are with a division that doesn't have other star coaches that does not have quarterbacks at this point it looks like the Chargers will be starting over certainly the Broncos are just in the beginning there with Drew Locke uh, the Raiders sort of in this perpetual stasis or purgatory with Derek Carr at the helm. And they're very, very different scenarios in terms of how that impacts the future. You look at the the situation for the Seahawks 
and them trying to maintain where they were, certainly the rise of the Rams and the 49ers makes that much more difficult. You look at where the Rams were after losing the Super Bowl last year and where the 49ers are makes that much more difficult. You contrast that to what the Patriots were able to do where throughout this stretch of dynasty, they were dealing with the Jets, Dolphins, and Bills, and simply being in that position to consistently get the first round by makes a big deal in terms of, you know, where you're going to be, how many games you have to win. Certainly we saw with the Saints going down in a game where we felt like they were probably when Saints had a fantastic season and didn't even win a, a playoff game this year. Uh, you look at what happened to the Ravens. Now the Ravens obviously did get the bye, but any extra game is, makes it very difficult. Any extra road game makes it difficult. And so at this point, the path to the Super Bowl for the Chiefs so much easier than it's going to be for the 49ers. At this point, many more franchise quarterbacks in the NFC. You know, you look at Drew Brees and his inability to get back and win the Super Bowl. You look at the situation with Aaron Rodgers. So just having Patrick Mahomes as a young star doesn't guarantee this flood of Super Bowls, but it's going to be much more difficult for the 49ers when you look at the franchise quarterbacks that they'll have to go through any given year and contrast that to where we are with Kansas City. Certainly it looks like the Baltimore Ravens may be their long-term foil as we go back and forth, look at potential entrants from the AFC. Yeah, no, I would agree with you there. It has been that way for quite some time. There was many off-seasons where the Patriots had won the Super Bowl and it was like, who's going to stop them in the AFC? And you couldn't really see anybody. I wouldn't go as far as in that with the Chiefs, but they're definitely in that uh, at the top tier. But like there, there is those teams in and around, like the Ravens, and that they may, may have a little bit of an upsurge. And, and it's going to be a very, very interesting. It's, uh, it's a really kind of, as I mentioned earlier, it's a bit of a, a resurgence and, and competitive nature around the league. And I think it'd be great to see the AFC get as competitive as the NFC. You mentioned as well uh, Andy Reid uh, finally getting the Super Bowl I was almost as happy for Andy Reid as, as any, anything else about the game I was just uh, I was really happy to to see him come out on top I think for a long time has been vastly underrated and I think having it, sound, it sounds silly but having that Super Bowl ring a little bit like with people talking about quarterbacks I, I think it really will elevate him into a more uh, talked about role in terms of the average you know NFL fan whereas before this they, they probably wasn't as much respect on his name as there should have been but um, it, it's going to be a really fun 2020. So before we get into the second half of the show, I just want to take a little moment to tell you about our brand new sponsor. It is Bet Online. The NFL season is a wrap, but fear not, Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with Bet Online to help you win big no matter what the time of year. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has you covered for all the latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down your futures bet on Super Bowl 2020 as myself and Sean were talking through some potential prospects there a moment ago. Head on over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. I signed up just before the Super Bowl, got some wagers in there. I had one specifically that helped me have a very good night was for Travis Kelsey to score a touchdown and the Chiefs to win. So I was uh, really happy to get in on board with that 50% sign-up bonus and also it's a fantastic way to help support the podcast once again that code is blue wire all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag bring your best bets home with bet online your online sportsbook experts so sean jumping in here to the second half of the show you had a piece up um, over the last week on the 2020 dynasty workshop and the title is how to create a permanent 
permanent championship window. Uh, it sounds very nice uh, if you can maintain it. It's something you have been able to do across your rosters for a number of years. Sometimes you get that team that can peak for a season or two seasons and then it's straight back into rebuild mode. But I'll let you take the floor, Sean. What are some of the keys that you see in terms of being able to uh, keep that roster ticking over. I know. I know we've talked about it in the show a lot about different strategies of moving on from those players and you know replenishing that roster. But what are some of the keys that you have found over the years for uh, you know continuous success in dynasty? I'm really looking forward to the dynasty portion of the season. We spend uh, several months here in that time of the year, and you get a little bit of a, a refresh. I just can sit back, participate in some startup drafts. Really, there's nothing more fun uh, in fantasy football than participating in that startup. And the Dynasty Workshop is something that's going to kind of go hand in hand with some of our other projects. We just released the first edition of the Dynasty Command Center Rookie Guide. And so, you know, we had huge numbers of people who pre-ordered that a lot of excitement going around those rookie rankings the mock drafts all those different things that we did some really cool articles by uh, travis and tj blair Uh, so a lot of fun going into that guide there'll be two more editions people can jump in there the workshop will kind of go with that and discuss some things that i like to do with my dynasty rosters that may be a little bit counterintuitive or contrarian to the way that a lot of people view dynasty so Last year, we had the Best Ball Workshop, talked a lot about the Roster Construction Explorer and some of the insights that that can bring to you and really trying to approach your Best Ball Leagues with an evidence-based approach. We're going to do that with Dynasty as well this year. And some of the lessons that I've floated in this first initial introduction are things that I think are, are kind of interesting or fun or maybe overlooked that we don't always hear about. Uh, when people are talking about dynasty. So just to go through a couple of them. The first one, obviously, we mentioned that startup is to build a win now, win always team in the startup draft. There is a ton of debate when you look at these startups of whether you should build for the future. Uh, Brian Malone, who has written extensively for us, Ryan McDowell, one of the, the coolest guys in the industry, they talk a little bit about the fake punt or the extreme fake punt, this idea of building this incredible dynasty by punting uh, the original season. Certainly there are lots of people who will show you that if you attack veterans in the startup draft, you can put together a team that is far better than any redraft team would be. And then you try and fill in behind that. I think that you can do both and we'll discuss some strategies for doing both in that startup. And certainly that lays the foundation for this idea of the permanent championship window. Moving on to a couple of other lessons, we'll talk about avoiding the championship window trap, right? This idea of really targeting this time when your team is coming to maturity. We'll talk about turning a bad trade offer to your advantage. Obviously the way people respond to trade offers can make a a big difference in how many trades they make. And then The following lesson is why increasing your trade volume is the key to dynasty titles and how to do that through win-win trades. So again, this idea if we want to increase our volume, the idea being that instead of trying to win the trade, you'll hear a lot of people talk about, okay, I only do a trade if if I'm the clear winner or if you can win the trade, that's the way that you get to build this dynasty. Certainly there are going to be some situations where if you can exploit your trade partner, that will work well for you in the short term. But One of the problems is that if you are approaching trades in that fashion, people don't want to deal with you, 
right? So they know that you're not going to offer fair trades. If you do manage to pull wool over someone's eyes and really steal from them in a trade, that's going to create bad feeling through the rest of the league. But there's a different path, right? When you're working with your trade partner, you want that to be a win-win. Every time that you do a trade, it should be a win for you, a win for the person you're trading with, and a loss for the other 10 people, right? And that's the whole idea of a trade in the first place. So if you can make trades like that, then not only does that help you, it allow you to make more trades because people want to trade with you. They can see how it also benefits them. And every time that you do a trade, right, then you are making progress versus the other 10 people in the league. And so we'll look at some different strategies for making as many of those trades as possible. Then we talk about some different areas that people can use rookie drafts and rookie picks to supercharge your roster. So we have supercharging your roster with future rookie picks. And then sort of a, a tandem lesson is a blueprint for making the most selections in your rookie draft every year without any rookie picks, right? So I'll talk a little bit about how I go into most rookie drafts with no picks because I've traded them all away. And then by the end of the draft, I'll have selected usually twice in every round and how you can go about accomplishing that. Certainly you've got to be in a league that is active, that is fun, you know, where you know some of the owners, where you can make some trades. Those should be the leagues that you're targeting in the first place. You know, one of the things you want to make sure you do anytime that you join a new league is do a little bit of research, make sure it's going to be a fun league to join. Then a couple of the, the final lessons we'll talk about why holding on to your studs is actually the thing that's cost, costing you an Uber squad. So this idea of building with studs could actually be the thing that costs you the extreme upside. We'll talk about developing the confidence to make trades you might lose. Uh, talk about rebuilding faster by trading the wrong players. And then just a little discussion of taking over an orphan and why that reward is worth the challenge of it. We all know that taking over some of these teams, joining a dispersal draft, joining a dispersal auction, you know, sometimes that can be intimidating because you're going in against fully built dynasties and maybe you're picking from a player pool that was bad enough that caused the original owners to quit in the first place. But there are some rewards that really go into that as well. And certainly it helps you develop as a dynasty owner because it puts a big challenge in front of you there. So those are some of the highlights that we'll have in the Dynasty workshop. Really looking forward to this project as it fits in concert with some of the other things we're doing on the site. Yeah, it should be really, really exciting. And there's a lot of stuff you touched on there that you know just starts getting your, your brainwaves flowing to, to see what way. And there'll be a lot of players who might be thinking like you mentioned about the championship window but like you know there's so many key things that'll be coming up here to try and avoid that and you mentioned uh, just so many different insights there is there any one in particular i know i know they're all equally as important sean but is there any one in particular that you think that people uh, tend to over over uh, like go one side on it too much or too little um you were mentioning something there that i i was thinking uh, when you were going through it about you know the the win-win trades uh, i'm in quite a few leagues with uh, neil dutton who who was on the show last week and uh, i always love when uh, i send him a trade or he sends me a trade it's almost always just like oh, okay let's do it uh, there's never much uh, negotiation it's usually just uh, yeah let's let's go for it and that's why i, I love being in the leagues with uh, neil but is there anything in particular out of those that you think people might put too much or too little emphasis on on a regular basis well, you mentioned making the win-win trades, and I think that's interesting there. I've been in the Iron Throne League now for seven years, and that was probably the one league I was most disappointed in this season where 
it was my most dominant dynasty team and it did suffer a frustrating close semifinal loss in trying to defend its title uh you know you're coming off the championship you score the most points you had the best record you know you really feel like you're going to come through especially in a team in a league where you have deep starting lineups the idp you can build your idp side as well you know, anytime that you have 18 starters you have a little bit more leeway to have someone get hurt or have a bad game than if you had nine or ten starters uh but in that league, the team that had the number two seed is actually a team that I have done probably 50% of my trades in that league, maybe more with. And so, you know, we go through every season, you know, trading back and forth, trading back and forth. And if it were something where those trades were hurting us or were benefiting simply one side, then you expect one of our roster to rise to the top, the other one fall to the bottom. And really it's been the exact opposite where the more trades that we do, the more our roster depth and our roster construction, our objectives that we have as owners, you know, those rosters are able to float to the top. And so one of the things that we really want to focus on, and this is the idea too, of turning a bad trade offer to your advantage. How do you react to that original trade offer when someone offers you a player who is in your tier two and they've offered you a tier five player and maybe a tier 10 player. And you're looking at that and saying, no, this isn't a serious offer or they're trying to cheat me or, um, you know, I'll just ignore this. This is somebody I can't work with. And every once in a while that will be the case right? Well, you'll have people who send you bad offers when you, you know, try and discuss with them, they make it a, a take it or leave it. And, and your thought is, well, I mean, obviously I'm leaving it. That's, that's not a serious offer, but what you're trying to do and the way that you react to bad trade offers is important because if you react with offense, then they're going to be less likely to offer you more trades in the future. Whereas it could be something where they simply misunderstood the player values thought maybe that you would have a different player value. They're offering up sort of an opening idea that then you can discuss because they don't want to over offer to start with. All of those things are legitimate possibilities for a bad offer. And if you overreact at the beginning, then they're going to be reluctant to engage you in the future because no one wants to be told, Oh, you know, you don't understand player values or, uh, you know, you, <laughs> you're trying to cheat me, don't make these kinds of offers, that really shuts down future conversation. And not only do you want to make a lot of trades, but you're wanting to get a lot of trade offers because many trade offers you simply won't want, right? You want people to feel comfortable offering you things and you want the information that comes from those trade offers. So even if the trade doesn't deal with the players uh, in that combination, when someone offers you a trade, then you know which players on your roster they're interested in and you know which players on their roster they're willing to move. Now, you may have to switch to different guys from their roster in order to give them the player they're looking for or you might be looking for a different person from your roster to match the guys they're willing to sell. But you want to use that intelligence to craft further offers as opposed to shut down the discussion process. You know, we all are in these situations where people have people on the trade block. Sometimes they're willing to stay so low. Sometimes they're just fishing for, you know, the huge offer. If you put, say, a Christian McCaffrey on the trade block, clearly you're not looking to sell low. You're trying to find if someone will give you four or five players maybe in their tier two or, you know, Saquon Barkley plus three more good guys. And so, you know, no one's going to sell low on a Christian McCaffrey, but a lot of the other players on there, you know, you don't really know what they're looking for and if they're really legitimately looking to trade those guys 
Whereas actual offers that come into you represent very specific information in terms of who they'll sell and who they want. And you want to make sure that you encourage them to make those offers so you continue to have that intelligence going forward and so you can create a relationship that makes it easier to work these things through. You never know when you'll be in week nine, the trade deadline is approaching, you really need this one piece and you're searching through your league mates to find someone who maybe isn't going to make the playoffs but with whom you have the relationship where they'll trade with you because someone you've shut down in the past, you know, when you need that guy to make the playoffs or the last piece for your championship run, they won't be the guy who will come through and make that trade. If you've treated them that way in the past, even if it was their fault, right? I mean, in many of these cases, you're like, well, you know, they shouldn't have made that opportunity in the first place. You want to try and get all of these people to be on your side, to have fun with you, to enjoy interacting with you. And so I think that this is one of the ways in which, if you can develop relationships within that league, it dramatically increases your chances of a championship. Yeah, it's very, very good advice there. Um, and when we're looking through it, Sean, I know we're going to touch on here just before we wrap up, uh, looking at you know Dynasty and looking ahead to rookies coming in. Uh, there's a lot of great work up on the site in terms of the prospects coming through at all different uh, positions. But uh, Dave Cabin is up uh, a good article this week looking at the R- RB Prospect Lab. And I know, I know you wanted to touch on that. Yeah, so a lot of our users will remember the Running Back Prospect Lab, the Fantasy Douche originally built, one of my favorite tools and something that we've been wanting to bring back for a while. Mike Beers has put this together. It is fantastic. Uh, A lot more features than it had in the past. It'll allow you to test the projections for a variety of different things, whether or not you want total points first three years, the best season, points per game, all of those types of things. It'll allow you to look at the different metrics and the interaction between the metrics and see which types of things uh, help a running back transition to the NFL and which things are probably irrelevant. It'll let you see the value of draft position. It'll let you see players uh, in reference to each other, where they fit. And clearly this is exciting because we've got this good class coming in, right? Every year people get excited about certain guys. But if you look at the uh, 2019 class, and, and this paid out, played out, Uh, more or less to be exactly what happened. But the top players in that draft are going to come in in that 50, 60th percentile in terms of how they project to the NFL. Whereas, you know, not to have too many spoilers, but Jonathan Taylor, someone who is going to come in there right at the top, uh, Dave Cabin talks about DeAndre Swift, the other player who maybe is in the fight for that 101. Certainly we've got some other cool guys like a J.K. Dobbins and then some great sleepers as well in this draft. So you want to get on there. The Prospect Lab will del- de- debut this week. Get on there, play with that. Uh, if you're anything like me, you, know, you lose a couple hours really quickly playing with that tool. And, and certainly the excitement around this running back class makes it all the more fun. Yeah, it's going to, be, going to be good and looking forward to getting that up on the site. And with that, it's going to do it for today's edition of the show. As I mentioned, uh, we'll be back doing the two shows a week as we move here through the off-season. Um, and that means we'll be back later this week, Thursday or Friday, with a second show of the week. So stay tuned for that one. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. As always, my co-host is Mr. Sean Siegel. Make sure you subscribe to all the relevant ways you can listen to the podcast. And of course, until we're back with another one, have a good one. 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Road of His Radio. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at roadofhisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of His at a 10% discount through Road of His Radio homepage, roadofhis.com forward slash podcast. 